Hey children, have a good time. Good morning. Welcome home. You know, every time I come uh, to church, uh, I feel so at home. QBC is a nice place, isn't it? Today we begin our series on the Psalms of uh, Lament. Christ to a loving God. I suspect uh, Pastor Isaac uh, put me to kick this off because I am known to be the emotional pastor. Admittedly, I clear up quite easily. And uh, tearing has not always been natural to me, actually. Because I grew up with these few Chinese words. You know how to read? 男人流血不流泪 Translated to English, men don't cry, we bleed. <laughs> so I grew up trying not to cry. We try not to cry in, pri- uh, in, in front of everyone in public, right? But truth be told, we shed tears in private. Right, men? We may display our emotions even through violence or even deny that we have emotions and we exist like robots, as though we have no emotions. You know, uh, not only ladies uh, suffer from gender discrimination. This is one, <laughs> uh, one aspect of uh, male gender discrimination, stereotyping. It is perfectly fine to be emotional. So stop telling your children, allow them to be expressive and be in touch of their emotions. Especially as Christians, it is perfectly fine for us to be emotional when we pray to God or when we worship God. Because God doesn't want robots to worship Him. You know how robots are? When it's worship time, all of them put up their hand at the same time. And then put down their hands when the song is over. And then when it's time to pray, close their eyes, put their hands together, and then utter and pray like the pastor when he's holding the mic. I hope that you outgrow that. Don't pray like your pastor. Or don't pray like your parents do when they say grace. Prayer must be from our hearts. It must be with emotions and we must be led by the Spirit. Because we are a Spirit-filled, fervently praying church family. Uttering the same prayer over and over again is not being emotional, not being Spirit-filled, right? I think we know, we understand, because I once was also like that. When you are a baby Christian, when you are new, you tend to be like that. But we must outgrow that. It is perfectly fine for us to be emotional when we worship or pray. And we don't have to filter before God. You know, when we come to church, we filter a lot, you know. Especially when you're holding mic, you filter a lot. 
there are a lot of things I cannot say. A lot of things uh, I say on Saturday service, I cannot say on Sunday. Why? Because I filter. When I hold the mic and pray, I filter. When I come to church, I filter. People ask me, how are you? I filter. I'm fine, thank you. Even when I'm not. Right? But when we worship and when we pray, we don't have to filter. Why? Because God knows what is in your heart. God knows what is in your mind. God knows. And before God, your filter is no use. Alright? So I thought I want to establish that. Over time, I learned that life is not easy. And it is alright for us to be emotional. I get emotional and these days I don't hold back my tears. The worship leader standing in front will know how often I tear up when I worship. Sometimes when I preach, it is a running nose. But oftentimes, it is not a running nose. It is because I got emotional. So as we begin to look at Psalm 57, I want to give us the background. But before we look at the background, let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for life experiences. And we thank you that through life experience, the psalmist has penned down the psalms. So this morning, speak to us and help us to learn from the psalm and also from my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in order for us to understand this Psalm, Psalm 57 better, I'd like to give us the background. Young David was already anointed to be king. Over time, he grew up and it was time for him to be king. But King Saul felt threatened. King Saul didn't want to give up his throne easily. And therefore, he was after David's life. If you are King Saul, what will you be thinking? If I get rid of David, then I can continue to be king. Right? So that was what happened. So David ran for his life and in 1 Samuel chapter 22, it is recorded for us, David left Geth and escaped to the cave of Adullam where his brothers and his father's household heard about it. They went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Running for his life, he went to a cave and his family came together with him, together with those who were in, the, in distress, those who owe along, those who are discontented with life. And they became David's men. They were all running away from their troubles. First point, when disaster strikes. Psalm 57 verse 1 begins, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. 
For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster or storm has passed. It was in the cave of Adullam that he penned Psalm 57. David was facing a life and death disaster. He was running for his life and he felt hurt. He felt troubled. He was fearful and he cried out to God. When disaster struck David, David cried out to God. And he cries out to God for mercy. When disaster strikes, we naturally will cry out to God. In my free time, I enjoy watching air crash investigation. <laughs> because I love to fly, but my wife says, you watch already, they're not fly. That's true, right? <laughs> but that makes flying exciting. In an impending crash, often you will observe that people will cry out to God. They don't care whether you are Muslim, uh, Buddhist, Christian, or, or, or free thinker even. You cry out to God. You cry out to God, God help me. God save me. God have mercy. And it's very chilling you know, to hear the cries of the pilot uh, just before they, they crash. Just before impact. Oh God! Bish. It is natural for us to cry out to God. Have mercy on me. Oh God, have mercy on me. Take this disaster away from me. Remove this storm from me. I don't want to be in pain. That's a desperate cry to God. Regardless of your faith, you cry out to God. You cry out to God depends on how you cry out to God depends on what you believe God to be. David believes that his God is a merciful God. And that's why he cried out to God to be merciful. He believes that this merciful God will protect him and therefore he finds refuge in the shadow of God's wings until the storm passes by. For a few months outside our church, opposite our church actually, in the open car park, did you notice this gathering of people? There was a gathering of people with their cameras and expensive equipment. So near already, but they are then so long, I don't understand. But <laughs> do you know what they were trying to photograph? That picture is what they are trying to get. But I also do not get it. They are trying to capture the photograph of the mother bird or the little bird. <laughs> or maybe both. Right? Only a bird watcher will know well, why they capture? They are trying for to capture this photograph. But there's another picture that has been etched in my mind, and this is the picture. I found it on the internet some years back. How many birds are there? Three birds, huh? One mother bird and two baby birds. This picture is. It depicts for us what it means to hide in the shadow of God's wings. Just like the mother bird, God shields us and He protects us with His life. To get to the baby bird, you must get past the mother bird. And that is what it is with us. 
in the storms of our lives, for the evil one to touch us, he must first get past my God. Disaster may strike, but remember, you are not alone. God shields you. For the disaster to reach you, it must get past our God who loves us and cares for us and shields us. So whatever your disaster, cry out to God and find refuge in the shadow of His wings until the disaster has passed. Sometimes the storm is short. Sometimes the storm is long. But surely it will pass. Secondly, when disaster strikes, cry out to God with a steadfast heart. Through our tears, we see God in a way that we can never see Him when things are going well. Isn't that true? When times are good, we tend to enjoy the moment and forget God. I give you an example. When you go through a difficult period of time, you pray. You ask your wife to pray. You ask your family to pray. And then the storm passed by. How many return to thank God? Not many. When times are bad, we pray. But when times are good, we tend to forget God. Through our tears, we see God in a way we can never see Him when things are going well. We see that God is truly our only hope and help and as a result, we grow to know Him better and we grow in our intimacy with Him. Our heart grows steadfast and fixed on God. The Methodist Bishop Gordon Wong, whom Pastor Isaac quoted, also writes this. Many churches today have lost this major dimension of prayer and worship. Lament. We emphasize thanksgiving so much that we give the impression that God can only be worshipped by the happy soul or only by the person who feels full of praise. I have received permission from Dr. Colin and Deacon Sue him to share this with you so you can pray along with them. Some three weeks back, one evening, Colin had a sore neck just behind his back. Sore neck, very common, right? For me, I get it quite often. So I will go for a neck massage. The next day, he drove himself as usual to work in the hospital. Although he sensed that something wasn't quite right. Thank God for his mercy, he arrived at the hospital. Instead of going to his office, he went to A&E. And within one hour, within one hour he became paralysed. He couldn't move his hand, couldn't move both his feet. An emergency surgery was performed and they removed some blood clots from his upper back, from his neck and then put him on life support machine because he couldn't breathe on his own. I visited him last Saturday. He was already 
able to breathe on his own. He was able to swallow even and able to speak. And he had regained movement to his right arm and his right leg. But pray for him that he will regain movement to his left arm and left leg. He was feeling a bit down. But his faith was steadfast. He asked me to pray for him, particularly for patience. Because it's going to be a long road of recovery for him. Even after he has regained movement to all his limbs, he will need to go for physio. He may need to learn how to walk again. Friends, this is reality. It can happen to any one of us. So keep Colin in prayer and also keep Sue him in prayer. These are things that causes us to pray with tears. One moment, he is a specialist doctor. The next moment, bedridden, life-threatening. Storms can hit us at any time. Let us pause and pray for Colin, shall we? Father God, we pray for mercy upon Colin's life. Thank you for journey mercy that he was able to arrive at the hospital. We cannot imagine what would happen if he was paralyzed while he was driving. So Lord, we thank you for mercy. Thank you for the treatment of his fellow co-workers. And we thank you that he is now slowly but surely recovering. So Lord, we pray for patience on Colin, that he will wait upon you, that your spirit lift up his spirit, and that he will continue to trust in you. Help him to recover and give him a powerful testimony to share for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 2 continues. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. When disaster strikes or when the storm comes, it is natural and alright for us to cry out to God. God created us as emotional beings. And between you and God, there is no need to filter out your emotions. Just say it as it is. God can take it. Perhaps with Pastor Leonard, you still need to filter. <laughs> but with God, no need to filter. God can take it. God knows your thoughts. God knows what is in your heart. And God loves you. It is alright to question God when disaster strikes. Ask Him why. Ask Him what you must do. Ask Him what lessons you must learn from this storm. God can take your questions. You know, in Q&A, I often joke, right? 
He all can ask any question, but I don't know is also an answer. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> and God will reveal it to you. He is not Pastor Leonard, he is God. So you can ask whatever question you want, but you must be ready to receive the answer. Because the answer that God gives you or gives us may not be the answer that we expect. If we only demand answers that we expect, He is not God. You are God. Why bother asking the question in the first place? If you really want to know what answers from God, be ready to take His answer. He will surely answer you in His way and in His time. Today, I'm going to risk it by sharing with you my ministry journey. Because serving as a pastor, I've also served with tears, prayed with tears, so that you can understand and apply it in your own life. I do not just want to preach about David shedding tears. David is very far away, right? You may be thinking, hey, what about me? How am I going to pray with tears? How am I going to connect? I'm going to share with you so that you know, so that we can journey along together. I knew the Lord as a 14-year-old in 1984. I responded to God's full-time call in 1996. I went to Bible college in the year 2000. And I returned to the same church and served there until 2010. I was on track for ordination. But because the founding pastor wasn't ready for a pastoral team, back then in that church, they only believed, or the pastor only believed in one pastor. So it's either you or me. Lah. No pastoral team. Okay? So fearing that I may split the church and divide the church, I left hurting after spending 26 years in that church. When I left, I was 40 years old. Crying out to God, I questioned my calling. God, are you sure you call me to be a pastor. I was so hurt. You know, a pastor doesn't attend church just like you as, as a churchgoer, you know. My whole career, uh, until I was 40 years old, I uh, went down the drain. I start all over again. It is not just going to church for me. It is my years of service. I felt, I told God, God, did I just waste 40 years of my life. And I enrolled myself to study counselling in SBC. I was ready to leave the pastoral ministry. Of course, I gave God a blank sheet of paper. I said, God, you write whatever you want me to do. You want me to continue in pastoral ministry? I will continue. You want me to be a Christian counsellor, I will be a Christian counsellor. You want me to be a lecturer in the Bible college to teach pastors how to counsel, I will do it. 
And if you want me to go back to the marketplace and start from zero, I will go. 40 years old. Two months into my studies, the Presbyterian Church invited me to a pastoral role. Only two months, no? First semester, two months only. And within four years, I was ordained in 2014. In record timing. Because in the Presbyterian Church, you have a process. I was fast-tracked and I was ordained in 2014. And I wasn't only just ordained. The church installed me as the senior minister. Making me one of the youngest Presbyterian senior minister back then. God not only vindicated me, Right, in verse 2, right? I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. In my struggle, one part of me tells me for the good of the church, stay, stay, stay and fight, stay and right the wrong, stay and fulfill God's call for you. Because I'm sure that God has called me to be a pastor, right? Just like David, David has been anointed and he is supposed to be the next king. But why must he be running now? What wrong has he done that Saul is after his life? God vindicated me. He confirmed my pastoral calling lovingly and faithfully and gave me a double promotion as it were not just to be ordained as a minister, but installed as a senior minister. God vindicated me. What is the lesson here? The hard question we need to ask ourselves is this. Can I leave it to God to vindicate me? Or must it be done my way, in my time? Must I stand up and fight for my right? What about you? When you are wrong, what do you do? When you are slandered against, when people treat you wrongly, must we always defend, justify, right the wrong ourselves? At that time, I heard God speak to me clearly. Son, I do a better job at vindicating you than you standing up for yourself. If I stand up for myself, I would have divided the church. I left. Thank God, after I left, Every year, they still invite me to go back and preach. At one point of time, they didn't have any pastor. They invited me to go back to be their pastor. But that wasn't the season. God does a better job than me trying to vindicate myself. Why? Because He is a loving God. He has a plan. We must be sure we are walking in the center of His will. Verse 3, He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth His love and His faithfulness. 
God sends help from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth His love and His faithfulness. David was God's chosen king for Israel and because he was doing God's will, Saul pursued his life. When you are sure that you are doing God's will, God will send help and God will help you and He will save you. I guess sometimes we have to stand up for ourselves because we are not very sure. We are not very sure that we are doing God's will. And we must bulldoze our way. We must stand up, we must justify. Can we exercise our faith a little bit more? If we are truly doing God's will, can we serve with open palms, surrenderedness, and allow God to do His way? God vindicates us. Verse 4, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts. Men whose teeth are sears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Have you ever been in this kind of situation in the boardroom? Or in a quarrel? Or in a conflict where you are like in the midst of lions? They want to tear you apart. Their teeth are like spheres and arrows. Their words, their tongues are sharp swords. Being a young Presbyterian senior pastor back then, with a divided leadership, is like in the midst of lions. I was forced to moderate their discussions, their differing opinions, their preferences on many issues. These elders couldn't get along with one another. And I felt like I was in the lion's den. Everyone coming for me for the first bite. And on top of this, there was a particularly difficult and challenging co-worker that was in the team. Adamant in splitting the leadership and the church, chasing after her own dream and ambition. It was a disaster I didn't sign up for. What did I do? You guessed it. I cried out to God. God sent help in the person of Pastor Peter. You know, when I became senior pastor back then, the first thing I did was I wrote to senior uh, Pastor Peter. Why? Because he's very good in strategic leadership. I young senior pastor, no experience. And then I just got to know him. Back then, when I was studying in 2010 in uh, Singapore Bible College, he was the chief strategic officer. So, naturally, I write to him. One year, he didn't reply me, you know. I do not know why. Until today, I don't want to ask him why. But one year later, miraculously, he texted me, hey, I'm starting a mentoring group. Do you want to join? So, I said, okay, sure, I join. Together with Pastor Isaac, our senior pastor, and Pastor Jason from Sambawang Baptist Church. Group mentoring. Every month we meet once. Once a month we meet. And then he used me as case study. <laughs> Every time we meet, I cry, you know. I share until cry. I shared my disaster, my storm with much tears. Back then, verse 5 was in my mind. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I'm in a disaster. Nothing seems to be going right. And I'm supposed to be leading a church to glorify God. But that was also my saving grace because every week, I have to stand on stage, pray and preach and worship. What am I trying to say? As a servant of God, I told myself I cannot drag God and His church through the mud. I cannot dishonour Him. I wanted still to exalt God and glorify Him. In our disaster, be mindful and intentional that you must worship God even though you are in the storm. When you are in the storm, you not only worship God, but you pray to God. Cry out to Him. Verse 6. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. Things got so bad that I felt I was walking on eggshells or a few of landmines. There were traps everywhere. Everybody was just watching you take your next step. Needless to say, I was in distress. Everybody around me could sense my moodiness. And if Pastor Leonard do not tell joke, you know that it is serious. I will go for long bicycle rides and I will cry to God as I ride. Because very shameful to cry in public. Huh? So when you're riding your bicycle, you cry, it is alright because people thought it's perspiration. <laughs> Over time, by the grace of God, one by one, the troublemakers, uh, troublemakers left the church. Within a few months, they fell into the pit that they have dug for me as it were. When the time came for me, when I completed my contract with a heavy heart, I told them I decided not to renew. Some elders were in tears. A few felt that I have abandoned them. But truth be told, I cannot, I cannot continue to serve as a senior pastor. And when Pastor Peter heard that, nah, he was very happy, you know. Straight away, Leonard, come to QBC. Wow, over two, three years, he keep quiet. Tahan. <laughs> but the moment I say I'm leaving, I decided, wow, I think there was celebration. So he snapped me up immediately for QBC. And I heard God say to me, be the best number two. Be the best number two. So I took a self-imposed sabbatical to rest, recover, and then I joined QBC in 2018, playing second fiddle to Pastor Peter back then, and then now to Pastor Isaac, our senior pastor in the senior pastor office. Not only do I get to play second fiddle, God is very amazing. Be the best number two, right? Last year, I was elected as the vice chairman of the Singapore Baptist Convention, playing second fiddle to Pastor Edwin. You know, when God gives you an answer, when God speaks, He is very clear. It is amazing how God vindicates and how God shows His love to me and also to His church. 
Life doesn't get easier as we journey on, but our heart will grow steadfast as we continue to pray to Him, cry out in tears, and experience Him in our storms of life. And we will be awakened to God because our prayers, sometimes in tears, we are awakened. Verse 7, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. So here I am, serving God happily as Pastor Isaac's number two, with a steadfast heart, together with you in QBC. God awakened my soul. When I joined QBC, God awakened my soul during COH. You know what happened during COH? Our congregation, we are not a very big church, right? 400 over people. During COH, 300 volunteers from this congregation, out of a congregation of 400 over people, sign up to serve as counsellors. Remember that? Thank you, QBC, for your partnership in the gospel and thank you for the journey of my pastoral journey and making me so proud to be your pastor. With this new neighbourhood in Dawson, we have a huge harvest field. We are awakened. We are awakened. There will be disasters in life. Cry out to a God who is loving with a steadfast heart and in the end, it will be okay. We have a story to tell. Third point, last point. In the end, it will be okay. The verse continues in verse 9. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. The result of disaster is worship and the praise of God when we cry out to God with a steadfast heart. Worship and praise to God is why I share my journey. Be courageous and share yours too so that the world, the nations, will hear of what God has done in your life and what He's capable of doing. There will be times in our life when things are not okay. Share it. Cry out to God. People need to see that we are real. Church is not just for the okay people. Church is not only for those who are faithful. Church is not only for those who have it all together. Church is for the broken. Church is for the sinners. Church is for us to journey with one another so that we know that God is working in our lives. We don't just come to church and praise God with our empty words. We praise God because God loves us. He delivers us faithfully in real life. Verse 10, For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Through your disaster, you will experience God's faithfulness. You experience God's love. Remain steadfast in Him when you cry out. The greater the storm, the greater your experience of God's love and faithfulness. 
in the end, it will be okay. If it is not okay, it is not the end. Make room to share your disaster, your storms with one another. Cry together, pray together. You will then exalt God together. Take the risk, allow others into your life. Take the risk and share it. And that is what I hope to model for you. I took the risk, I share my life. Even if you say, ah, Pastor Leonard, how lian? It is all right. I need to glorify God. Even if people misunderstand me, it is all right. God loves me. God loves you. And He loves you even more when disaster strikes. And He loves you through others. Why did I bring up Pastor Peter? Why did I bring up Pastor Isaac? Because God loves me through them. Verse 11, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Exalt God, even through difficult times, even when you are praying with tears. Exalt God. Psalm 126, verse 5 to 6, I will close with this. The psalmist says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Are you going through a storm today? I thank God that Colin and Suhim allowed me to share their journey with you so that we can pray with them. That is what church is all about. So that when he recovers, when he testifies, just like when Pastor Leonard testifies, we can glorify God together. So be ready. Be ready to share your life with one another. Don't filter. Don't have too close a mesh you know, filter until so fine. Nothing goes through. People do not know you in church. Be yourself. Be with the community. Let us pray together. Some of you may be experiencing storms in your life. Spend some time to cry out to God. It is alright to cry out to God in tears. It is your sacred time with God. You have permission to cry. Others have survived disasters or crises. Give thanks to God and praise Him for His deliverance. I give you some time to do that. And the worship team will lead us in the closing song.